Welcome to the Fort Hill Community Church Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fort Hill Church. Gosh, I keep doing that. We uh, recently bought this little headset mic thing, so this is the first time. I got the training wheels off from that guy, so I'm really excited about it. Welcome this evening to our Christmas Eve service. It's wonderful to be able to gather with you and see all of you and um, work through God's Word together as we remind ourselves why we celebrate in the first place. If you have been with us the week of De- the month of December, then you know that we have been working through a sermon series called Carols of the King, where we have been looking at these songs we sing over Christmas season and been taking a deeper dive, a deeper look into the reason or the, the theme uh, of these songs. We looked at Joy of the World, we looked at Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we looked at How Many Kings, a more contemporary song, and today we are going to look at the song Silent Nights. Silent Night. As a parent of young kids, it's not often that I get a silent night. I can't remember the last time. I probably... The day before Ellie was born, I would assume, was the last time we got a silent night. And if that's true for me, then it's doubly true for my wife, whether it's our nine-month-old who wakes up at 4 a.m. and is ready to play, which has been recently because we traveled down south for Thanksgiving and came over here, and her sleep schedule has been all crazy. So she's been waking up at 2 and 3 and 4, ready to play at, at 4 in the morning. Or our other two little ones that want to get into bed with mom and dad, Not a lot of silent nights at the Manning home, and that's okay. As a parent, you kind of make peace with that, right? You have the kid, and you're like, well, you basically lose all of your life, and you start a new one, and it's a better one. It's 1,000% a better one, but you just got to say bye to stuff, and some of that stuff is sleep. That's necessary, but there was a night 2,000 years ago, though, on which there was a baby that slept very, very soundly, a miracle in itself, and that was baby Jesus. The song tells us that that was a silent night, that that was a holy night. This song that we're going to work through seeks to capture the exact moment that Jesus was born. All these other songs we sing are about joy, and even O Holy Night is dealing with sort of bigger themes of the birth of Jesus But Silent Night really brings us directly next to the manger. The song invites us to crouch down right where baby Jesus is, to look there in the straw where he lays, and to behold the Savior of the world. And it's this song that we're going to consider this evening as we prepare our hearts for Christmas tomorrow. And we are going to look at each verse. We're going to uh, look at three verses, and from the first verse... We're going to look at the signs of this silent night. What are the signs of the night? Verse 2, we're going to look at the sounds of the silent night, paradoxically. And then finally, verse 3, we're going to look at the sun of the silent night. This was a song that was written 200 years ago. I'm just going to quickly kind of give you a, a brief history of the song. There's a, a guy, his name is Joseph Moore. He was an assistant priest at St. Nicholas Church in Austria, Oberndorf, Austria. It was Christmas Eve, the year was 1818, and Joseph was in desperate need for a carol to be sung that night at the Christmas Eve Mass. 
And so he goes to his friend. His friend is in, in the nearby town. His friend is Franz Gruber. Say that five times fast. Franz Gruber. He was a church organist. He was a choir master. And so Franz, oh, sorry, Joseph brings him this poem that he wrote two years ago. And that poem is called Still a Knot or Silent Night. He gave it to his friend Franz, hoping that Franz could set it to music. After just a few hours, Franz composed the melody with that poem. And then written was Silent Night. Interestingly, the, the song was written for guitar uh, and not organ. Most of the churches had organs back then, but theirs was broken, so it was written for guitar. So whenever we sing it here in a little bit, we're going to play it with the guitar. We're singing it as it was originally sung 200 years ago. Joseph had his song for his Christmas Eve Mass, and on that night they sung Silent Night for the first time. In Austria, it's a tradition that you cannot sing this song until Christmas Eve. That's how seriously they take this song. The song itself is based on the story of Jesus' birth from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. I'm going to read the whole story for us, and I'm going to do that for a reason. I think it's important that we actually read this story that we celebrate each year. How often do we pass through the Christmas time not actually read the story? So we're going to read, starting in Luke 2, verses 1 to 19. And uh, just follow along with me as we work through this section. It says this in verse 1, chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It's an outstanding story. I think I like Luke's story the most of all. You see the story of the wise men in Matthew. But Luke captures a dynamic, a wonder that I don't think we see in any other part of the Gospels. The wonder of the birth of... Of Jesus. It's a story to behold. It's a story that we're going to consider today, starting off with the first line in our song that we're going to sing later, Silent Night. 
we're going to look at the signs of the silent night. I'm going to quickly read the first verse of Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. We get an image of baby Jesus sleeping there in the manger, wrapping his swaddling cloths. That's what Luke describes in chapter 2 of verse 7. Now, it's a miracle, again, in and of itself, that baby Jesus is sleeping, right? Miracle baby. Not the best circumstances to have a baby or to care for a baby. An animal food trough would not be on my short list of places to put my newborn, right? At the same time, you have to give props to Mary and Joseph. You know that they were real parents. Because sometimes you just have to roll with it, right? Sometimes you, you're not in the best circumstances. I know sometimes we've gone, uh, gone out and we had like a blowout. And we're like, where are we going to leave our kid in this like poopy like onesie? What are we going to do? Grab the jacket. Grab the kid in the jacket. You just got to make it happen sometimes. So props to Mary and Joseph for making it happen. No cradle, food trough it is. No soft bedding, straw it is. No fancy smancy swaddling blanket with built-in Velcro straps. We'll take the swaddling cloths. We'll be completely fine. And Mary and Joseph, they were fine. They were absolutely fine. Because they had their firstborn son. They had their baby Jesus. Think about all the craziness of having a kid running to the hospital, getting situated, waiting, 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 the excitement, building, 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 and then the baby comes, and then everything stops in that moment. Everything slows down, and you have your baby there, and the baby finally arrived. And it's crazy uh, to think Mary with baby Jesus there, holding him tightly, not even knowing the fullness of what this baby represents. Little did they know, though, that what they were making do with, with the uh, swallowing claws and the manger, with what they could just kind of find to take care of this baby, find around the house, what they were making do with would actually prove far more important than they realized. Let's look again. We're talking about the signs of the sign of the night. Let's look again at the shepherds and see what the angel said to them. In verse 9, this is what it says. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. I'd be afraid. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all the people. Unto you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the part, verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So consider the swaddling cloths, the manger, those less than ideal options that Mary and Joseph were making do with because it's not every day that you have a baby in a barn. It turns out that these were signs from God. The swaddling cloths, the manger, they were signifiers of a king. They were pointers to the Lord. They were bright flashing lights identifying who the Savior was. Swaddling cloths, a manger. People often ask for signs from God. Have you ever asked God to give you a sign? I remember one time whenever I was 
freshman in uh, freshman in college. I was went to Tulane University in New Orleans, and I asked for a sign from God. I didn't know if I needed to stay at Tulane or if I needed to go and transfer to another school, and I was really wrestling with it. And that year, the Saints were in the playoffs, and I said, God, if the Saints win the Super Bowl, I will stay here at Tulane. You know what? The Saints won the Super Bowl. I did not stay there at Tulane, right? Sometimes we ask for signs from God whenever we are in need, whenever we need direction, whenever we're at a dead end in our life. God, please make it obvious. God, please give me a sign. And we're often expecting some big type of events, something inexplicable, some crazy turn of events. We know that this is a sign from God. And God does work in those crazy ways. And we'll see that at the next point. But consider this. The greatest event in the history of the world, God taking flesh, God becoming man, Jesus incarnating, coming to the world to save people from their sins, the sign that God gave the world was something as simple and unremarkable as what Mary and Joseph could find laying around in a stable. That's not a crazy, inexplicable turn of events that we often consider with God giving us a sign. It's much more simple than that. And so I want to kind of bring it to you. How many signs have you missed because it was simple and unremarkable? How many times has God revealed himself to you and you skipped right over it? How many times has God shown up in your life and you didn't even realize it because you weren't looking for that. And I don't say this to suggest that we're constantly on the lookout for signs or that God primarily speaks to us through signs. What I mean is this. The very fact that the sun came up this morning is a testimony to the all-powerful, all-glorious God that made it happen. That's the sign. If you want a sign, just look out your window whenever you wake up in the morning. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Every sunrise, every sunrise, is God saying to you, hey, I exist. And not only do I exist, but you exist because I exist. And I am the all-powerful, all-glorious God that made you. And not only made you, I sent my Son to you. And not only that, but I gave you a sign. It was a sign of a baby, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, so that you would know exactly who he is as the Savior of the world. We can understand the response of the shepherds. If we continue reading in verse 20, they saw the signs confirmed, and they bowed down and worshipped. It says in verse 20 here, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Whenever you start seeing signs confirmed, you start worshiping. Whenever you start seeing God back up what He has said, and He changes your eyes to see, and He opens up your ears to hear, and He changes your heart to believe and to understand, you worship, you praise, you glorify. That God is everywhere around you. He is not hiding. He is not silent. He's much closer to you than you even realize. 
He's given you His Word. He's given you His Son. He's made a way for you to be reconciled to Him. Whenever you see that, you'll start praising and worshiping Him too. And so for you that are looking for a sign, looking for direction, looking for God to show up in your life, what I'm telling you is He's already there. He's already showed up. He's already sent His Son. That Son has already lived. That Son has already died. That Son has already resurrected. He sent His Spirit into this world. He sent His church as a testament. He's given us His Word. He's given you everything you need to believe in Him. He has left no stone unturned so that you may believe. You just have to see it. You have to see the signs. And if you do, you will praise. From here, from the signs of the silent night, we need to look at the sound of the silent night, paradoxically. Whenever I was in high school, I was in a garage band. Our band's name was Speck Wilson. Maybe you've heard of us. Probably not. We do have a cool t-shirt, though. And that garage band played in my garage at my house. I remember whenever we got done with a foot, uh, football game, uh, down south, high school football is a lot bigger than up here. It's depressing. I remember driving by Westbrook High School on a Friday night, and I was like, are they practicing? Or is that a game? It was a game. I was like, oh, that's sad. And I kept driving. Okay. <laughs> high school football, we get, we get done with high school, with, done with high school, with the game. We get done with the game, Friday night, come back to my house, and we practice in my garage. We're playing in jam. We play like Green Day and the White Stripes and all this you know, crazy stuff. And one night, we had the bright idea, my cousin did, to move all of our equipment from the garage to outside the garage and to play and blast our music into the night sky. So that's exactly what we did. We were playing, jamming. It's like 1 a.m. So we're out there, and not too much longer, we see a truck driving up the, uh, the road. We live on a dirt, dirt road. We see a truck driving up. I'm like, what the heck? It's 1 in the morning. Who's coming out to our house, to my house? And so the truck drives up, pulls right up to us, rolls down, his, rolls down the window, and it's my great uncle. His name's Uncle Lamar. Uncle Lamar. He lives right beside us, right down the road. He came up to tell us to shut up. <laughs> to turn off our amps, to turn off our guitars, to put everything up, and to go to sleep. To go to sleep. I guess one thing we didn't think about is that other people might be trying to sleep at 1 a.m. and not listen to our awesome music. Okay. It was a not-so-silent night. It was a not-so-silent night. The second verse of our song says this, Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. This line is referencing the heavenly chorus that addresses the shepherds on that night that announce the birth of Jesus. And what's curious about this line is that such a chorus would no doubt have been very, very loud. Very loud. As the heavenly hosts have been waiting for years and years and years to perform this song and belt this out, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I can just kind of picture them kind of behind the universe and then the universe is their curtain that they pull back and then there's all of the angels and what once was a dark midnight sky is now emblazoned 
with millions and millions and millions and countless angels that are all singing. They've been waiting since the beginning of time, since the foundation of the world. It tells us in Ephesians that Jesus was plan A, always and forever. From the foundation of the world, Jesus was always going to come. And these angels were finally able, after all this time, to sing out, glory to God in the highest, the Savior is come. Heaven reverberating praise for the birth of the Savior of the world. This is a theme, if you keep reading through the Gospels, this is a theme of heavenly praise. Why do angels sing? That's a great question. What makes angels excited? What makes heaven break out in song? This is what Jesus says in Luke 15, verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What do angels sing about? They sing about people getting saved. Just so I tell you, verse 10, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What brings the angels joy? Reconciliation between God and man. That's what brings angels joy. And you can imagine why they would sing so loudly at this juncture of time, because now reconciliation can be found. The Savior of the world has come. Glory given to a God that saves here again, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to bring this question to you. What do you make noise about? What makes you break out in song? What brings you joy? And is it anything like why the angels sing? Jesus had a saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What he meant by that is what we treasure most in this world, what brings us joy, what brings us happiness, reveals the contents of our hearts. It reveals what we most love. It reveals the deepest depths of us. What makes us shout out in joy reveals our heart. As a pastor, and really just as a follower of Jesus, not even just being a pastor, my moments of greatest joy are whenever I see people get it. Whenever I see people understand, whenever I see the light bulb click in their mind, they get it, that Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus came, and through no fault of His own, not deserving any of it, there died in my place, although I didn't deserve that. He did not deserve the punishment, I did not deserve the grace, and yet what do I get? The grace, and what does He get? The judgment. Whenever people understand that, and whenever they turn from their sins and repent and place their faith in Him and find salvation, whenever that happens, I cannot describe to you the amount of joy that I have. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. My wedding was incredible. It was the best day of my wife's life, right? The birth of my kids, sorry, babe. The birth of my kids was amazing. Countless milestones in life that have brought me so much joy. But honestly, none of that compares to seeing one person make a commitment to follow Jesus. And that's not to put down those milestones. That's just to show you what joy salvation brings. That is the, the logic. That is what we see in Scripture. The angels sing over salvation. And what I'm telling you is that if you want true, authentic joy then you have to treasure Jesus above all things. 
You have to treasure Jesus above, above all things. You must love Jesus more than any other loves. You must join the angels in singing. How could the greatest joys of heaven not be enough to satisfy you? I'll say that again. Think about this. How could the greatest joys of heaven not be enough to satisfy you? If angels themselves longed to look at the salvation that we experience and waited with eager anticipation to announce the coming of the Savior King, my question is how could anything else bring us greater joy? And so that is a word of encouragement to you. There is something better out there. His name is Jesus. And that's also a word of introspection. If you're not feeling that way, then do you truly know the depths of God's love for you and just how satisfying it is to be in a relationship with Him? This is a joy that is not far off. This is a joy that is incredibly near. It's a joy that is offered to you today. And not just because it's Christmas. Every day is Christmas for those who believe. And that brings us to our final verse, the center of our song, the center of our story, the sun of the silent night. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus Lord at thy birth, Jesus Lord at thy birth. I love the wordplay here, this last song. It's a silent night of the sun whose birth gives way to a dawn of redeeming grace. The silent night leads to the sun rising with redeeming grace over the land. We're just saying holy night. There's a verse in there. Oh, holy night. It says this, A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. It's the same idea. What does it all mean? It means it's a brand new day. And it's a day unlike any other. Because now for the first time ever, there's an answer for you. There's an answer for the sins of the world. There's an answer for the struggles of the world, the troubles of the world, the pain of this world. All the suffering and death and decay, the groaning it talks about in the book of Romans, that creation is groaning, waiting for the day that the Savior would come. There's an answer for the weariness of this world. And that answer is a baby in a manger. God has sent to you His redeeming grace. And I need to tell you, it's a grace that you desperately need. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, that God created us to be in relationship with Him. He created us so that He would be our highest joy, our highest love, our everything. But we've fallen away from Him. We've run after other gods. We've run after other idols. We've fallen in our sin. God has to judge that. He's a holy and righteous God. There has to be an answer for what is wrong. And the bad news is that judgment falls on us. That's the bad news. The good news is this, God did not leave us in that situation. He didn't leave us in that predicament, but He sent us His Son to redeem us. God did not send us His Son just to check out how things are going on earth. He didn't send us His Son to say, hey, I haven't seen these guys in a while. Go see how they're doing, then come back and report to me. Jesus didn't come to hang out with us. He didn't even come to be an example for us. 
He didn't even come to necessarily teach us, although he definitely did that. What did he come to do? He came to redeem us. He came to die on a cross for us, to shower us with his grace. That's why he came. He's the greatest gift that this world has ever known. And if you don't receive any other gift this Christmas, then receive this gift. The final part of the gospel is that you have to repent and believe. You have to turn from your sins. You have to say, I receive the gift that you have given me, God. I receive your son. I'm sorry for how much I've messed up. I need you to forgive me. And the Bible says that whenever that happens, you'll have eternal life. It's a silent night that Jesus was born so many years ago. And I think it was silent in more than just that nothing could be heard. The weariness, the warring, the battle in the spiritual realm, this idea that we were lost and we were in the domain of darkness, it says in Colossians. The battle over our souls was finally completely finished. Those battle cries are silent. We know that that baby, though crying in the manger, went, went at the end of his life to make another cry. And that was the cry from a cross that says, It is finished. In your hands I commit my spirit. And it was finished. And it is finished. And it always will be finished. Praise God for that silent night. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you. I want to come to you in prayer right now. And I want to pray for everyone here. As we consider, Lord, again, what this story is about and what this time is about, I don't think, I don't think it's some cultural phenomenon that Christmas time, there's a sense of hope and there's a sense of joy and there's just a special sense that's sort of in the air that everyone gets to take part in, whether they believe or they don't believe. I don't think, Lord, that that's a coincidence I think that is a measure of your grace, Lord. That something about that birth, that something about that day just continues to reverberate and, and move forward in history so that everyone gets a sense of your nearness on this day. And Lord, my prayer is that they would see truly, truly who this Son is, who this Savior is. That we wouldn't get so wrapped up in the presence and the gifts and the food and running around and all that stuff. And all that stuff is good. But it misses the point. The point is your son. The point is the Savior. The point is you calling us to repent and believe that you sent him for a reason. You sent him for our souls. You sent him to save, Lord. We cannot miss that. I pray for everyone here. Maybe they've kind of pushed this in the periphery. Maybe we kind of push this in the back of our heads. Maybe we kind of, something we like to think about, but then we go on to the next thing. Lord, help us not to miss the moment that you are reaching out your hands to us. You say, believe. I lift up every soul to you here. You know all of our stories. You know all of our needs, Lord. You know everything that we need. Lord, help us to respond as you have called us to. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus. We pray this in his name. 
You've been listening to the Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning at Fort Hill Community Church in Gorham, Maine. For more information about Pastor Aaron or Fort Hill Community Church, visit us on Facebook or check out our website at www.forthillchurch.com.